Welcome! You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. A, a lot of people just don't realize taxes are by far your biggest expense. And in fact, so much so that, um, I forget what the name of the nonprofit is. There's a um, some tax nonprofits that calculate when is tax freedom day? That means with the, the GDP that a country earns, like all the income that the country has, at what point are the taxes paid? Well, in the United States, it's actually April 19th. So that means um, every American uh, man and woman, and I guess children, if they can work if they're 15, but um, they work for a, um, January, February, March, and the half of April just to pay taxes, and then they can keep the money for the rest of the year. In Canada, it's even worse. Um, actually, it's varied. I, when I first did this workshop, it was actually mid-June before they were uh, had their Tax Freedom Day, but it's actually May 19th, um, or at least it was last year. So that's a lot of taxes, if you uh, will agree. And the reality of it is I know way more about taxes than I care to because I started my career in real estate, as you mentioned. I was a mortgage banker, and so I had to know how to read tax returns in order to qualify people for home loans, right? And then as I got further along in my legal career, I realized as an attorney that I did not have a strong enough background in tax and finances because I was a, a you know, corporate lawyer. I was working in the securities field for a while, and I had to read financial uh, statements and I really didn't know how so I actually went back to community college and I took a year of accounting so that I could you know practice be better at practicing securities law which I did long enough to know I never ever wanted to be a securities lawyer so uh, that ended up going in a different direction but as a result um, what I've learned is people really don't realize how taxes are by far your biggest extent uh, expense so I think, um, you know, you'll agree that, you know, that's a lot of work for the government without any of those cushy government benefits that you get in a government job, right? You're basically working to, to pay the government, but you don't get any, any cushy government uh, job benefits. So globally, then this is, this will probably astound you. 30 to 50% of all income globally is paid out in taxes. And a lot of them are hidden. Uh, we don't even know that we're paying them, right? That's a lot of money. But every time you fill up at the gas pump, there's road tax, there's fuel taxes, right? Uh, when we were living in Southern California, Tom would go run over to the, the Home Depot in LA and buy a $27 part for the boat. And the sales tax was $2.70. It was 10% just 
for sales tax. And in fact, taxes was one of the major reasons we decided to leave California. Just my, and even more people are fleeing these high tax states. You see uh, articles in it about the news all the time, right? Particularly New York and California. I think Elon Musk just left California. A lot of, you know, movie stars have, have left as well. Wealthy people are leaving and there's a good reason for it. Just quick math, and we were particularly high earners. I mean, we were like when you consider global income, but in terms of California, we were, you know, solidly middle class. And I, quick math, I was like, we could save five grand a year, not including really any of, of a lot of these taxes, just flat out leaving, uh, leaving California. Because in Los Angeles County, where we had our boat, they actually charge a personal property tax of 1% on the boat. So we bought our boat um, for 200, excuse me, 128,000. So every year we had a tax bill from LA County of $1,280 a year, just for the privilege of paying our slip fees every month, right? Because we were in LA County. And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't sales. That's on top of the, you know, probably $10,000 we paid in sales taxes when we purchased the vessel, right? This is an annual tax that you have to pay just just because you own your own boat. And then we had to pay $800 a year per corporation because that was the minimum tax, regardless of any income, regardless of any profit, for the privilege of operating a corporation in the state of California. In contrast, in Florida, the cost, the annual cost to have our LLCs, and there's a reason we had, did not have an LLC in California, they actually charge a, a, a fee, they don't call it a tax, a fee based on gross sales irrespective of whether you make a profit or not in an LLC. So people weren't using LLCs in California as frequently. So it was $35 a year. Okay. So right there, I mean, $1,600 versus $70 just to have an entity. That's not talking, you know, paying your accountant for doing your corporate taxes, anything like that. Auto registration in Florida was a, ta a fraction of what California had because California assessed on the value of the car. Gas tax was a fraction in Florida. Um, you know, you fill up at the pump. Like I said, there's a lot of, of taxes that you, you end up paying. So a lot of these things are not readily apparent. And so that's why that number is so high. And so it's not necessarily all from income taxes, but it's a lot, right? And the, you know, I've had some inter inter interesting conversations about the topic. And it's funny, some, including the media, right, think that there's something wrong about moving where there's lower taxes, right? And, you know, I just don't agree with that. I believe that if you have the ability to move where it makes better sense for you to live, then by golly, that's what you should be able to do. So let's see what the courts have to say about this. And now I want to preface this. I am talking about legal tax avoidance strategies. I am not talking about tax evasion. Those are two very different things. Tax evasion is illegal. I don't recommend you do that. You can go to jail. Tax avoidance is perfectly legal and the wealthy have always used it, right? That's why they're wealthy. That's why they continue to acquire more and more wealth. The average person, maybe 99% of the population even don't even understand how they can become wealthier by knowing what the tax rules are. 
And in fact, the Supreme Court has said, as to the astuteness of taxpayers in ordering their affairs as to minimize taxes, we have said that the very meaning of a line in the law is that you intentionally may go as close to it as you can if you do not pass it. This is so because nobody owes any public duty to pay more than the law demands. Taxes are enforced extractions. They are not voluntary contributions. So that's what the Supreme Court has to say, say about it. The uh, appellate court, um, Judge, uh, Judge, Judge Learned Hand, who is probably one of the mo most prolific writers in all of uh, U.S. Ju Jewish jurisprudence, said anyone may so arrange his fares so that his taxes shall be as low as possible. He is not bound to choose that pattern, which will best pay the treasury. There is not even a patriotic duty to increase one's taxes. So that's what the courts have to say about it. And so we do not owe some patriotic duty to pay as much as possible. The wealthy don't do that. And that's at least in part why they are so wealthy, right? An accounting firm I worked with in California had this tagline, taxes are a game, let's play to win, right? It's pretty accurate. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm talking to legal strategies here. So if you really um, study this, you will be maybe surprised to find out taxes are actually a roadmap to wealth. You will be taxed basically on your facts and circumstances. So if you want to, to change your tax, change your facts, right? And we discovered uh, something accidentally that I will talk about in a moment that could really have a big impact um, for you as you are deciding where you want to live, particularly if you are in a high tax state. Um, I'll talk about more that more in a moment. So there, uh, the thing is there are a lot of different countries in the world, right? Lots and lots of countries. And there's all sorts of different tax regimes. And as I've studied this, um, you know, reading authors much more knowledgeable in this area than I am, what I've learned is that global tax systems are not as different as one might think. There's some general rules and you need to be aware of them. But there are, uh, and then there's more specific rules within that general framework. So I'm going to kind of lay that out for you in as simple terms as I can. And I believe that's actually one of my superpowers is taking really complex information and distilling it down and putting it in terms that the average person can understand. Because some of this stuff can get pretty deep and pretty dry and boring. So I'm trying to uh, keep it interesting for you. So you will generally be taxed where you have property, right? You will, where you have employees, where you have an office, and you may be taxed where you have contractors, like independent contractors, what we refer to as um, 1099 workers, right? So um, all your facts uh, are specific, you know, unique to your particular uh, situation. And that's why I often say my, our favorite 
bill to pay is to our accountants. We have an excellent accountant here in Mexico, and we have an excellent accountant in Florida. And you want to interview them. There are certain questions you need to ask your professionals because I, I was actually just on a mastermind call this morning with a CEO program that I'm part of. And one of the, the gals in their business owner was questioning some advice she was getting from her uh, accountant. And I uh, had to chime in because I really felt like she was not getting the, uh, you know, the, the straight story. But what I said is, you know, you really have to be careful. There are uh, accountants and bookkeepers out there that are deathly afraid of an audit. And there really is no reason to be if you know what the rules are and you follow the rules and you document your deductions. By golly, you should be able to take absolutely every tax deduction that you are entitled to, that you're legally entitled to, and not be afraid of an audit. If you have an account that's afraid of an audit, you might want to consider finding someone else uh, because, you know, that's, I just don't agree with that. I'm not going to, to forego a valuable tax deduction just because my accountant thinks, oh, 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 it could be a red flag for an audit. Like, bring it on. If you're not doing anything illegal, you should not be afraid of that. Okay. So, um, you know, there, you need, you need to be smart about it, but there, there's, you know, readily available resources for that. So anyway, what, uh, you know, what I, I have noticed is the wealthy know and understand these things very, very well. And that's how they are, are arranging their affairs to become even more wealthy. And the middle class simply do not understand this. And, you know, even very savvy business people probably don't grasp this potential to fully benefit from this knowledge. So um, I'm going to focus on three core principles as we go forward. So the first of all is it is your money. It is not the government's money. So you get to decide what to do with it, right? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think you are uh, better at deciding what to do with your money or would you rather the government decide to do what your money with, you know, what they will with, with what your money? So if that's true, so 30 to 50% of global income is paid by taxes, what if you could keep more of it in your uh, pocket? You might donate to charities that you care about, right? You might want to help out family members, pay for college. There's lots of things that you can do with your money, perhaps um, you know, spending it or investing it better than the government does. I don't know about you, but I think I'm a better judge of how I spend my money than the government. And that's because the government is insolvent, right? Based on the debt levels, which we'll talk about next, they're not very good at managing money. And there's a whole arena of tax planning and tax strategy that is available to you when you decide to move offshore. And again, I'm not talking about tax evasion. I'm talking about legal avoid tax avoidance strategies. There's two different things. And the main, <laughs> love number three, yeah. So, um, you know, the media portrays, paints these, these two things in a broad brush. And they are assert that both are bad when they are not. So as I, um, you know, you, you kind of absorb this information, pay attention when you're watching the news or you're watching commercials about how they're trying to, to instill fear in you and using that to sell. 
right? So pay attention to what they're saying about taxation. And you will see that bias on there, like those filthy, rich, nasty people. There's nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. And I am suspect of, of those who, you know, put, put that down. So remember, every dollar you save in taxes is automatically going to your bottom line, which means it increases your income. It is your money. It is not the government's. Number two, seize the incentives. Tax laws are written primarily to reduce your taxes. I know you may not believe this, but 90% of the tax code is all about tax deductions. So Governments all over the world use tax incentives to encourage certain types of activities. For example, agriculture, oil, solar, real estate, business startups, and growth. Right. So if you can figure out what behavior the government is encouraging, that can serve as a roadmap to wealth. So if you want to maximize the return on your investment, Find out what the government wants you to do and then get rewarded in the form of tax incentives by doing just that. Give you an example. Think solar. There's all sorts of government incentives to create alternative energy sources, right? Then that might be a good business to start because that's what they want you to do. And in fact, we have a very good friend in Southern California who did just that. He created a very successful solar business and his clients received government rebate checks that helped his company grow because they were basically, he, he was subsidized. They subsidized his business. So it pays to know what the tax system, uh, the tax system, because it drives behavior in a certain direction. So figure out what they're rewarding. And if it makes sense in the larger context of, you know, what your, your vision is and what your plan is, then do it. So the U.S. government is insolvent. We're going to talk about that next. So now I updated this. I had originally when I, I uh, created these slides, it was for my first um, workshop in July. And I decided in January, just out of curiosity, I'm going to uh, see how much it has changed since my first workshop in July. I did not do it for March, but I'm guessing that that number is still high. And after this latest uh, bill, the stimulus bill, which I'm not going to talk about uh, one way or another, it is what it is, but they're spending money, currency, actually, that they don't have, right? This is the debt. And so the the um, there's a major deficit, right? There's two major problems. There's deficit spending and there's borrowing without limits. And together, taken together, it's a lethal mix when it comes to the average taxpayer on several levels. And this is uh, from, oh, is the website on there? No, it's, uh, if you go to www.usdebtclock.org, it's astounding. <laughs> that website will blow your mind. It, you literally see the meter running on that website. With each passing second, the United States goes deeper and deeper in debt. And actually, it's not just the United States. I, I can't speak to Canada, um, what that situation is like. But here's the thing, most of the developed countries in the world are doing this. They're, they're, they're printing currency out of, it's not money, money is a store of value. There's nothing behind currency besides the belief that it has value, right? So if that belief goes away, then uh, it's, it's, 
that's it. Just you see, you're going to see a crash, right? So the, it's the belief. There's no gold in Fort Knox anymore that stands behind the currency that gets printed. It is simply the belief that the currency has value. And there's a lot of things going on right now with China. And if, if you've, there's a book I read a while back called Currency Wars. Um, it'll blow your mind. It's, uh, it's pretty, they're, they're, the Defense Department has actually um, done war games with uh, currency wars and concert currency manipulation. It's, it's really frightening when you, you start, um, getting into this. This is what's happening. And, and so if you study monetary history and fiscal history, you will find that, you know, going back 5,000 years, this has never worked. Like it always ends badly. And maybe ever, they keep saying, oh, but it's different this time. It's different this time. I don't believe it is. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere with the economic satisfaction of earning in paradise? Imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Then grab our free paradise checklist to begin dreaming again and start defining your paradise. It's waiting for you at paradisechecklist.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. Right now, uh, every man, woman, and child in the United States owes over, you know, I know it's over this number, over $84,000 per person. Let that sink in a moment, guys. Forget about your personal debt, right? This is just your debt as a U.S. citizen. Uh, that that's how much the and and like I said, it's it's really gotten worse. Why does this matter? Let me ask you: What do you think is likely to happen? Do you think taxes are going to go up, or do you think taxes are going down as a result of the situation? I'm thinking they're going to go up. So as high as taxes are right now. I believe we, we can expect them to go up even further, particularly in higher tax jurisdictions. And um, he's in Illinois. Illinois is bleeding people like crazy because the taxes are, are so high. Um, he was telling me what, what uh, the taxes are like in, in the state of Illinois. And I mean, it's mind blowing, right? So 
we, like I said, we know New York and California are losing people and they need more tax revenue. So what do they do? They raise taxes, but that's a big risk, right? Because they're very cognizant that wealthy people will leave. In fact, a lot of New Yorkers have already moved to Florida. Californians are heading to Nevada or Texas or Arizona, states that um, have no income tax, right? And California was, our Illinois, I know, right? Uh, yeah, California was 13%, now 16%. And there's actually legislation pending that if you decide to leave California, move out of California, they will tax you as long as 10 years. So 90% year one, 80% year two, 70% year three. So even if you try to move out of California, that's what they're contemplating doing. And they're also uh, talking about taxing you as a California resident if you spend as little as 60 days out of the year in that state. Wow, right? So you, you've got to be careful with that. Um, I'm going to talk, stop sharing for a moment and just kind of talk to you a little bit about something. And, and when I, I talked about this, uh, I've talked about this before, people are like, oh, my gosh, that is worth the price of admission today. And that is this. We learned something by accident when we we didn't do it on purpose, but we moved from California to Florida first, right before we moved overseas but as it turned out, it was an extremely good move. Here's the reason why. If we would have left California and moved straight overseas, we would still be taxed as a California resident, even though we're living in Mexico, which means we would be still subject to California income taxes. But because we moved to Florida first and then moved overseas, we don't have to file state income tax returns. We only file federal returns. So if you are moving out of a high tax jurisdiction and you want to move overseas, there are ways you can do that. We actually have a mail service we use in Florida and the, the service is actually was designed for sailors and people living in RVs that didn't have a specific physical address. And so they have a service that you can actually set up your domicile, you file with the county, and you set up your domicile in Florida, you cut all your ties from your previous state. In other words, you close your bank accounts, you register to vote in your new state, you get new driver's licenses, you do not, if you maintain a uh, real property there, make sure it's a rental. It's not a place that you are staying at. And because, uh, I mean, I think the, the California Franchise Tax Board is bad, but after talking to Kevin, <laughs> wow, the tax authorities there. Um, and then actually I was, we have our, one of our dream lifers is in Virginia and she's, uh, she works a W-2 employee and she's starting a little business on the side and she's like, oh, I have to get a business license. I'm like, what do you need a business license for? Like, you know, you're you're working from home and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Virginia's real strict. Like they even went after an author. OK, somebody writes books and said they needed to register for a business license. It's insane. And I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. But because we did that. 
Now, California doesn't have our hooks in us. We had a house, but it was on the market to be sold. We rented it, and then we uh, sold it. So uh, we were actually Florida residents for six years before, and then we moved overseas. So like I said, we're paying, you are going to pay taxes according to the last state that you are a resident of. Um, It's something to think about going forward. Policies can change really, really quickly, right? And so if a new law goes into effect, it might be too late for you to make a move. So it's really wise to to consider all of these issues and have your strategy in place before it gets to the point where, oh my gosh, now they're they're, um, putting these draconian tax laws in place to try to stop the bleeding, if you will, right? Remember, guys, at one point, the United States of America confiscated everyone's gold. It was illegal to own gold. If things go south, there's no telling what they will do. And here's the thing, guys. I am not a, um, a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist person. I'm not a doom, doom and gloomer. My glass is always half full. But I do believe in this. I believe in expecting the best but preparing for the worst. We're sailors. You prepare for the storm before it comes, right? So the other thing that's really important to know is the U.S. tax code rewards entrepreneurs and business owners. It punishes employees, especially high-earning W-2 employees. And uh, I have a good friend, uh, Laura. She came to visit me, actually, in November. We went to law school together. And she told me when she was here, she paid $80,000 in taxes because she didn't practice anymore. She doesn't, doesn't have her own business. She's a high-earning W-2 employee. And 80 grand in taxes. Like, holy moly. I mean, they make good money. Her husband's a retired exec from uh, GM. They uh, got out of Michigan and went to live in uh, Nevada where there's a no, no, stat, no tax state. But, um, you know, she, because, she, and I said, gosh, Laura, can't you do 1099? Because then at least you have these tax deductions available to you. And she said, no, because she actually sits in their office. And so she doesn't meet the requirements to be a 1099 uh, worker instead of a W-2 employee. So how can you lower your taxes if you're in that high income W-2 earner category? It's very simple. Start a business, a side gig. Entrepreneurs are rewarded for creating jobs. And so from a government policy standpoint, so starting a business, you can legally convert your personal expenses to business expenses, your phone bill, your cell phone bill, your internet, your car. Now you've got to know and follow the rules to be able to to do this. And I'm not going to give you tax advice here, but there's some very good resources that can, you know, you can, you can utilize to be able to educate yourself on this. But I can share some stories about how this has played out with people I know in particularly from the direct sales industry. So my best friend, Lori, lives in Wisconsin. She joined me in the last company that I work with. She's a single woman, no kids, low mortgage, and not a lot of tax deductions, right? She's got a good job. She actually works for the county government, has since we got out of college, and she never got a refund on any of her taxes, Her first year in business, she got a tax refund for $8,000, not including the commissions that she earned from the business. How? She traveled. She, She loves to travel. She traveled and she built her business at the same time. 
and you can in, in deduct your travel expenses as business expenses as long as you know the rules and you document them properly, right? My brother David, same thing. For single dad, four kids, his first year in the business with us, he got a tax write-off of $4,000 that, you know, put more money in his pocket. He's a, a tech guy, have, you know, pretty good income, pretty good job. So for entrepreneurs and investors, it's really a good idea to invest where you travel. So if you buy an investment property where you like to vacation, guess what? Expenses are not necessarily vacation expenses. They, you may have to prorate them, right? But if you like to go to a certain place, it may make sense to invest where you like to vacation. And properly documented, uh, you can legally deduct these travel expenses as a business expense because you are going to tend to your investments. So let me go back to the slides. So I'm going to talk about the foreign earned income exclusion. This is what I refer to as the great American tax loophole. So how do you earn over $200,000 a year and pay say zero taxes legally in the, so that's per couple. So if you're an individual, it's a, the number for 2021, $108,700. And the United States is the only developed nation on the planet that taxes all of its citizens and green card holders, regardless of where they live. So if you hold a U.S. passport or green card, the IRS wants it cut, which is why a lot of people are expatriating. What does that mean? That means turning in your U.S. passport and saying, I'm out. And the numbers are very high. And you see, you know, a lot of uh, high net worth people doing this, but uh, the, the rules are, are pretty interesting. You need to, you know, go through this exit tax process and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. But anyway, so this is true if you live outside of the United States, um, even if you never visit the United States, if you hold no assets in the United States, no business dealings in the United States, Uncle Sam has a very long reach. So you can't just run away and escape Uncle Sam. You are required to pay your taxes no matter where you live, no matter where you earn income from. So there are many legal ways to save on taxes, but you can actually go on the IRS, uh, irs.gov and just type in foreign earned income exclusion and you can get the publication about it. It's, you know, unfortunately IRS legalese, but um, you can get the gist of it and I'll, I'll cover the rules here. So this is an exclusion for U.S. citizens and green card holders who live and work outside the U.S. to completely eliminate U.S. income tax on over $100,000 a year foreign income and then married couples qualify for twice as much. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of, of an overview of this. There's a lot of nuances to it. I, I won't have time to get into today. But basically what happens is you either are, there's a physical test where you're literally outside of the country. You can still maintain a residence in the United States, but you have to be out over 330 days a year. You can't be back there for more than 35 um, days in a calendar year. That's a harder test to meet, but I really like the bona fide uh, residence test. And that's where you actually, you don't have a residence in the United States like us. We just have a mailbox 
that we, you know, have our mail sent to. That's our address that's on our driver's license. That's our, uh, we actually, you actually vote according to the last place that we lived. So we're actually in Charlotte County because we lived in Punta Gorda, Florida. So that's where we vote. But for all intents and purposes, uh, the only thing we have in Florida is a storage unit right? We don't have, we have a rental property in Florida still, but we have, have our bona fide residents of Mexico. But because of that, we could theoretically go back to the United States and spend six months um, traveling, you know, renting a place. As long as we don't have a physical, a, a permanent residence, a, a, a resident, second residence even in the United States. And as a result, you qualify for that exclusion. So that's, in my opinion, the better way to qualify. If you're wanting to be a snowbird, this isn't going to work for you because you're probably going to maintain a residence for half the year. Um, and then, you know, you're going to be elsewhere for half the year. But you, um, you can exclude a, a lot of income. Now, the other thing to know about this, this is earned income. So it doesn't, if you have investment income, then this isn't going to work for you. However, if that's the case, you may want to consider Puerto Rico. That is, or if you have U.S. employees and you want to exclude income uh, and pay, minim, you know, minimize your taxes, um, Puerto Rico might be a better uh, option for you. So I'll just read you real quick. The You meet the physical presence test if you're physically present in a foreign country or countries, more than one, 330 full days during a period of 12 consecutive months. Those 330 qualifying days need not be consecutive. This test does not depend on the kind of residence you establish, your intentions about returning to the U.S., the nature or purpose of your stay abroad. However, your intentions with regard to the nature and scope of your stay abroad are relevant in determining whether you meet the tax home test. You do not meet the physical presence test if illness, family problems, a vacation, or your employer's orders cause you to be present present in the U.S. for less than 330 days. So that's what I'm saying. I think the physical presence test is harder to meet. It's got a lower threshold. The best thing to do is just move um, and have your primary residence overseas, then it's actually um, pretty easy to qualify for that. And um, you must file taxes to be able to get the exclusion. It's not that, oh, I, I, I have this exclusion and so I get it and I don't have to file my tax returns. No, if you don't file, you lose it. So you have to um, still file your taxes. And um, this is something most people aren't aware of. And in fact, it's doubtful that any of your accountants, financial advisors or attorneys will tell you about it. Why would they? Like I said, if you leave, they're going to lose a client. I love our Florida accountant. He does a fabulous job, job with our taxes. But when I mentioned this uh, exclusion to him, he was not familiar with it because he caters mostly to Florida retirees. They're not expats. They live in Florida. They don't live overseas. So because of that, uh, you know, they probably go somewhere else in the, the summertime and then they go to Florida in the winter. So I had to tell him about this exclusion. He looked it up and was like, oh, wow, Don, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Right. So and he's been in practice for many, many years. It's just not his wheelhouse. Right. So unless your accountant is well versed with uh, in working with, say, a company that has overseas employer employees or maybe a tax person that does taxes for an overseas employee, 
that's typically the only way that, that these accounting folks are going to be familiar with it. For the most part, accountants will generally not be familiar with these provisions in the tax code that could really make a huge difference in your finances. So, um, you know, the benefits of foreign investment, we hear it time and time again. Uh, oh, you mean you can own property in Mexico? Yes, that's one of the great things that NAFTA did many years ago. It opened up the ability for foreigners to actually own property without having a Mexican partner, particularly in the restricted zones, which are the coastal and the border areas. And um, you do, like I said, you do need to hold it in a trust, but uh, we are entitled to the exact same tax benefits per that tax treaty that we are entitled to in the United States. So for example, rental property, if any of you own rental property, so from Florida, there is no state income tax. That is correct. You only have to deal with federal. That's absolutely correct, Heath. That's, that's how that works. So unless you have, now if you had a, a company, obviously you had a, if you had a corporation, you would have to file corporate tax returns there. But no, as an individual, um, if you, there's no income tax, so you, there's no return to file there. Yeah pretty easy. I can't speak for Texas. I know Texas does not have income taxes, so it may be the same there, but I, I can't speak um, through personal experience about that. So so the rental property. So if you own rental property in the States, you know that there's this phantom tax write-off called depreciation, which is basically free money, right? It's not an actual expense, but you get to deduct it off the income you get on your rental property. And it is a sum that is actually, you know, not an expense that's paid. So it goes right into your pocket. So there's good, uh, there is a good financial reason to move over um, full time because of the foreign earned income exclusion that I just discussed. Um, and then it, here's the, the distinction, right? If you're managing your own property, which we are, it's not considered passive income. It's considered active. So therefore that income would qualify as earned income under this exclusion. So uh, if you have someone manage it for you, then it is not earned income, right? Then it would be passive income. So even though you can enjoy the other same tax deductions for your income property, right? You can still deduct the appreciation. Any uh, net income from that would not be excluded um, under the, the a foreign earned income exclusion. So anyway, that's what I have for you um, on taxes today. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit paradisechecklist.com and download our free Paradise Checklist to start your journey. We'd also love for you to become part of our Claim Your Dream Life community. Thank you for listening.